Blog Talk Radio. In Clarksville, Texas, praise God, for those that are tuning in, don't know where we're at. But it's good to see y'all tonight, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, we got several out tonight, but we're just going to sing and praise God. Let's stand together. Let's turn to number 89. Let's sing Matching Over the Hilltop tonight. Bring Dan forward, and, and uh, God give everybody else strength as they have to do everything 
in the process. Uh, anybody got anything else they want to add? Yes, Miss Charlotte. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. All right. Pray for her. Her nerve damage. Pray for Miss Nell with hers. Her nerves keep regenerating. She keeps getting more feeling back. Anybody else? Anything else? Okay. Remember to lift up Diane in prayer. Pray for God to guide up what's doctors and nurses and everything involved with that situation. Uh, my friend Carl Cullum in Paris, he's about to go in and get, have a port put in for dialysis. Pray for him in that. Um, anybody else? Uh, I haven't talked to Scott. How is Scott doing? Yeah. Well, let's remember to pray for him, lift him up in prayer. Like I mentioned, Lisa Harmon, we used to go to church with her a long time ago. And uh, she's up in Magnolia, Arkansas. I know she needs prayer, so lift her up in prayer as well. Um, goodness, I know i got some people on my heart and mind that I need to be praying for. Um, Krupa Emanuel, I mentioned him two or three times. He's a, he's a native pastor from Mumbai, India. And uh, he wants to come and visit our church. And... Uh, because, again, we, we supported them for many years in Paris, and uh, a family in our church especially, they were a big help to them. I went over to India and worked with them, and uh, both of them have passed away, a husband and wife both. And uh, and I'm his last link to all that, and so he wants to come here, and he wants to visit me. He wants to come. He told me he was planning on coming August the 4th and, uh, and being here that Sunday, and then leaving and going back Monday, and I'm thinking, my goodness, what are we going to do with him while he's here? But uh, anyway, um, I'll try to figure all that out. But but pray. Pray for those details for all of that. Uh, I mentioned Sunday. Please pray for me. September's coming up, and it's going to be a very busy one for me. I know that I, there's two revival meetings I'm supposed to be preaching in September. And uh, I haven't, I hadn't had a revival meeting preaching in quite a while, but I got two of them that month. So please pray that God will uh, make me ready for that and use me in those in those meetings. And uh, I'm trying things. Anything else we need to be praying about? Any anybody else? Anything else? Okay. Yeah, I got a, I got a truckload of them too. So, all right. Well, God knows about all those. Amen. And He's sure able to meet them. And I just want to ask God to meet all the needs of this church. And uh, Richard, lead us, in, lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we, uh, we just thank you for this evening, Father. We, uh, we just put these prayer plus up to you in a very special way. Uh, Father, we lift up Dan, you, uh, Scott, and Nell. Sure. Uh, Father, those who are needing your special touch, Father, we just put them up to you in a very special way. Uh, Father, we just uh, lift this uh, pastor up to you. That's from India, Father. I just pray that you'll uh, sort those details out, Father. I just pray that uh, his um, his stay here will be a blessing for him in, in a time of refreshment and uh, just his spiritual recharge that he needs uh, to uh, just do your work, Father. Uh, Father, we uh, we just pray your blessing now this time, Father, and this often, Father. We thank up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And the reason I'm playing the guitar tonight, we need to be praying for Joanne because she's at home not feeling well. It's right. Sometimes the most obvious thing right in front of your face, you forget. Y'all can be seated.
glad he does. Amen. 490. 490. Amen. We need revival, praise God. We don't just, I need it, you need it, this church needs it, this town needs it, everybody under the sound of my voice needs revival. Our nation is drowning in sin, and we need to turn back to God in repentance and cry out for God to revive us again. Amen.
last six. So let's go ahead before we before we read or do anything. Let's just go ahead and, and go to God in prayer and ask Him to get in the middle of all this and take control of it. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father, I love you. I thank you tonight. Thank you, God, for being so good and faithful, Lord, for bringing everybody that's here back to the house of God, taking care of the rest of us. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that tonight as we We've gathered together around your word. Father, these that have come to meet here in the auditorium, Father, with me, and those who have tuned in to us electronically, Father, we pray for them, Lord, as well. We pray, Lord, Spirit of God, you'll touch them and speak to their hearts tonight. Lord, we pray for our people here. We pray, Lord, for the Holy Spirit of God, for you to genuinely touch us and speak to us. And, and, and Lord, apply the word of God like a, like a salve, like an ointment to the to the sick places in our life, to the things that, Lord, the places where the devil has advantages, uh, the places where, they're, where, where we're raw from dealing with this world. Father, we need you tonight. We need the medicine of the Word of God applied to our lives. Help us tonight. Father, sometimes it's not us that needs it, but, Lord, it's others around us. And we're to take it, Lord, to, to, be, to be like first responders to those who are, who are injured, Father. They've been hurt spiritually. They've been hurt by those in this world, Lord, that don't love you and they've, they've, they've been taken advantage of and hurt. Father, we need wisdom on how to deal with these things. We need wisdom on how to, Lord, how to deal with toxic people, Lord. We need wisdom in how to, Lord, to be aware and, and to be careful, Lord, and not to, uh, uh, not to be foolish, Lord, with the way we deal with this world. But, Lord, we need to be careful and we need to know how to deal with, with things according to the Spirit of God and according to the Word of God. Help us tonight. Take this wisdom, Lord, and embed it in our hearts and minds. Lord, that we might that we might be triumphant over sin in our life. Father God, we just pray tonight you meet with us in a real way. Speak to us and through us, and we'll give you the glory and the praise for it. Father, I can't do it without you, so I put myself in your hands, and I throw myself on the mercy of the Spirit of God, and I ask you to use me now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to begin there tonight in Proverbs 16, verse 28. Verse 28 begins, it says, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth key friends. Last week I told you we, we, we was doing so good. We was just talking about such positive things, and then we ended on a sour note. We ended there in verse 27 where it said an ungodly man. And so we, verse 20, I noticed verse 27, 28, and 29 deal with, with people that you don't want to be around. I, I see there there's, a, there's, the, there's the ungodly man, the froward man, and the violent man. And God's given, again, he's three different people that you don't want to spend time with because they're going to, they're going to sow harm into your life. They're going to, the consequences of your association with them is going to be negative and not going to be pleasant. But we, we've already dealt with the, the ungodly man who diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. He wants to create havoc, and he's not very different from this froward man. This froward man, the Bible said, soweth strife, and, and soweth strife means stirs up arguments, stirs up trouble, uh, causes problems wherever they go. And, and this froward man, if you want to know what froward is, and I know some people don't use it. We don't use that word. I don't ever call anybody froward. I don't know if I've ever in my life said, boy, that's a froward person. Have you? Anybody in here ever call anybody forward? I've never used that word. But but don't let that be the reason somebody say, oh, the King James is just full of archaic words nobody can understand. I have a dictionary, and I can understand it. It's amazing how when you don't know a word, you don't throw your hands up and throw the book away because you don't know the word. That's, that blows my mind how people say, I can't read that King James. Well, you, are you that unca- incapable of learning a word that you just, ah, that's so terrible. No, it's not. It's good for you. Amen. It's written in about fifth grade uh, English. It's not that hard. People read Shakespeare in high school. I don't know if they do anymore. I used to. Used to have to learn Shakespeare in high school, and yet they complain about the King James Bible. They'll blow my mind. But anyway, forward means perverse. It just means somebody is messed up in the head. They're twisted. There's something wrong with you if you're forward. It's a twisted, perverse person. And what do twisted, perverse people like to do? They like to cause problems. They like to sow strife the way a farmer sows seeds. Everywhere they go, they want to plant some trouble. And when there's a lot of strife, when there's a lot of trouble going on somewhere, 
then you can just bet that there's a perverse person somewhere that's so that's so in that strife because it don't happen in a peaceful household unless somebody comes in who's a troublemaker. Amen. And I've seen that happen. Boy, trouble like to come into a peaceful household, and all of a sudden everybody's mad at everybody. Uh, I have. I've seen. I've seen. I'm not going to bring it up because they don't sense talking about it. But I, but I've seen the case where a teenage boy went into a home and almost caused a divorce because they took him in and he almost tore the household up. Because again, when you got somebody in there who ain't right, they'll tear up everything. And uh, and and so, a perverted mind is not a peaceful, joyful mind. That froward man has a perverted mind, and he does not have peace in his life. He doesn't have joy in his life. He doesn't have joy in his mind. And so he, he's, he's dealing with all this, and it irritates him to see, to see the peace of mind that somebody else has. And it says, I mean, it, you know, I see this kind of stuff. I see this uh, a lot in the, in the news media, and I see this a lot with race, where somebody, even though they've got everything in the world, and their life is good, they still want to complain like they're mistreated. Okay? Well, again, the, the person with perverted mind, he could have peace in his life, but he chooses not to and sits there and grabs about the one who has it. And so instead of saying, well, let's live and let live, no, you got, you're happy and I'm not, so I'm going to make you unhappy so you can feel my unhappiness. So you know what I'm going through. I'm going to make you feel it. That's the way that kind of person thinks. I'm going to make somebody else deal with what i got to deal with. That's a devilish spirit that causes that. That don't come from, from a godliness. Uh, it comes from a devilish spirit. It's their duty to make others feel what they're going through. And these, these attacks are harmful. And, and again, it's harmful when somebody comes at you and attacks you and says, well, you, you know, so-and-so did this. They, they're, they're, they're this, that, and the other. I mean, people start railing against you and accusing you of things. Though you you didn't do it. Have you ever been accused of doing something you didn't do? Kind of hard to disprove it, isn't it? Because how can you disprove a negative? They say, well, somebody said you did it. Well, I didn't do it. Well, how are you going to prove it? You can't prove you didn't. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Over the years... Over the years, being being who I am and preaching the way I do, I have made lots of enemies. I mean, and, and that most of them call themselves Christians, but they didn't like my doctrine. They didn't like where I stood on something, and so boy, they just turned on me with all the venom in the world, and and try, or we got crossways over simple things. And and boy, people can get ugly and just as bitter and vicious as a bunch of snakes, especially in a church. Amen. It shouldn't be that way, but boy, it can be that way. And again, they'll they'll come at you and they'll attack you, and and you can't. You know, you ever notice this? When, when say a newspaper will attack a political candidate, and they'll just rip them to shreds, and then they find out the story's false, and they'll put a retraction in there on the last page, and it's about to go. But the story's still out there, and somebody said, "Well, I proved it wrong." Well, where? I didn't see it in the paper. I didn't see it. Well, it was a little, they run it down the bottom of the TV screen real quick. Couldn't see it. Again, a froward man soweth strife. A perverted mind wants to cause problem everywhere he goes. He sows it. Amen? It's, it's very similar. Y'all remember the story in, in, in Judges 15, verse 5? Well, you probably don't know about that reference, but, I mean, the story of Samson. And Samson, he, he took a bunch of, of foxes, and he set their tails on fire, and he turned them loose in the Philistines' field. And the words that he used there, it says he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines. He let them go. It's like sowing them, okay? That's the idea that, 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 this, that this forward person does. He lets go these flaming boxes of lies and, and, and make-believe into the life of somebody and causes all kinds of problems and disruptions in their life. And the Bible says in the second half of this verse, a whisked up array of cheap friends. Whisper. That's the gossip. That's one way that the perverse man sows the strife. Whispering. Gossipy words. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear about them? Did you hear what they did? You know what I found out about so and so? You know what they did years ago? Well, people like to cause trouble. 
Or if they know just a little nugget of dirt on somebody, they'll smear it for a mile. I mean, they will. They'll make mud out of it and smear it for a mile if they can. Uh, but he, he, he the Bible says he separated chief friends. That's terrible. Uh, you know, again, I think about this too. I think about how the devil, because the devil's behind all these things we're talking about, and, and he uses he uses the news media today to do this very thing. I think about the way that that the news media plays people. The, you know, again, they play Republican against Democrat, white against black. Uh, you know, everybody against everybody. You know, uh, women against men. You got the got the sodomites against the straights. I mean, that's it's just on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, if you're not like me and you don't agree with me and you don't accept everything I accept, you're wrong and you're terrible. And, that's, and our nation is totally divided. I mean, you would think with as much communication as we have today, as many, everybody has a communication device in their pocket at all times. I mean, people can't live without their communication device, but yet we can't communicate. It don't make no sense. We've got more ways to communicate now than we've ever had in the history of mankind, and people can't communicate. People just want to argue. Everybody wants to be the victor in the argument. Everybody wants to get the last word and the last say and the most powerful say. And, and again, the devil tries to do anything he can to separate people because he knows that, listen, if we all unite around the word of God, he's in trouble. Amen. And he knows that he knows that this is the one thing that will unite people is to is to commune in the, around the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And our salvation in Him, and that's the one thing that draws us together. That's our bond. But boy, if he can separate, if he can get people whispering, people start questioning other people, and and, and they so strife, and they so strife so powerful that it can separate the best of friends, and often. Such people show they're perverse because they counted a victory and an accomplishment to sow that strike. Man, if they can get something started, well, they can sit back and rub their hands. Well, look what I did. <laughs> Boy, I got them going on them. Boy, I got, them. I got everybody talking. They don't care what they do. They don't care the harm that it causes. And, and, you know, and the word whisperer there, it, it, uh, this preacher Waltke said it denotes a malicious gossip who represents the situation and by his character assassinations aims to smear and to vilify others behind their backs. Like a nice person, don't it? Just to talk ugly about people and tear them up behind their back. Verse 29. All right, we're going to the different man. We're going to the violent man now. The violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that he's not good. When I was I was reading this verse, I sat and meditated on this one for a while, and I and I think I could I think I pictured this fellow in my mind. This violent man, I, I, Tim's nodding his head. You run into him a time or two in Clarksville. You told me. You run into him a lot. Yeah, right. The violent man, and, and you know the violent man. He you can look at him wrong. You can look at him wrong, and he wants trouble. The violent man. You can call him redneck if you want to. Uh, listen, I, I, listen. I'm country to the bone, but I ain't redneck. I learned. I learned. I used when I was younger. I called myself a redneck. I thought I was redneck, but you know what? I finally figured out a redneck don't listen to the word of God. A redneck. A redneck. Hey, he's right, and if he and, he don't, and if he don't line up with God, so be it. Because what he thinks is what counts. Because he's he's right, and if you don't line up with him, you're wrong. Okay. Now, I'm not saying everybody who says they're a redneck is that way, but I'm telling you, that's the definition of redneck, basically. And, and, and again, he, he's the ones that I have known over the years, they're very touches. I, and I mean, again, you, you, give them the, you give them the wrong look, and they, they're ready to go. And, and again, and this, and this, the thing about this verse, a violent man entices his neighbor. It's referring to influence. He entices him or he influences him. And, you know, a drunk man, a, a, you live next door to a drunk, he may entice a sober man to, to start drinking. Hey, man, come on and take a drink with me. And pretty soon he's over there drinking every night with him. So he may entice a sober man to drink. A faithful man may be enticed by, to commit fornication by, by, by a sleaze living next door to him and 
and, 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 and having loose women over there and inviting him over. He might get him caught up in something and break his marriage up. Uh, a peaceful man, though, may be enticed to be violent by hanging out with somebody who likes violence. Come on over here, buddy. Hang out with me. Have a beer with me. Pretty soon it's, we're over here fighting in the yard. How'd that happen? I've known people. They, they, they went down to spend time with their neighbor, and next thing you know, they come home, they've been beat half to death. Well, how did it happen? Well, they got down there and got to drinking and got to carrying on. <clears throat> the violent man, he may do this by, by encouraging him, come on, come on, hang with me, run with me, do what I'm doing. He may encourage him to, to get involved in his activities, or, or he, may, he may do it by in, 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 Causing a violent response by the way he treats him, by the way he acts toward him. He may provoke him. But the Bible said a violent man entices his neighbor. You know, again, I, I, I've said this before, but but one of the one of most powerful truths in this world is what, whatever you are hanging around, you will become. We, we're very much impressionable. That's why it's so important. The Bible tells us that we are to, we are to come to the house of God. The Bible tells us as we see the day approaching so much the more we're to be in the house of God. Why? Because this world is going to get worse and worse. The Bible says because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And if you were to hang around cold people who have no love, you're going to become cold. God tells us. He warms us. We need to be where the fire is at. We need to be around the warmth of God's people. We need to be in the house of God. I hate to say this, and I'm not picking on anybody. If you're watching, I thank God you're watching, but you can't feel the warmth through this phone. You might you might hear the message, but you can't feel the warmth, the love of God's people through this phone. You need to be here to be influenced by the by the feeling of the community of church going people that love God and are washed in the blood and have the same love and have the same uh, the same purpose and the same goals and the same vision. Amen. You need that, and so again. If we're hanging around that, that wrong kind of person, that ungodly person, that forward person, that violent person, that is going to have an effect on us whether we want it to or not. The Bible said he leadeth him in the way that is not good. He can't help it. He lives next door to this guy. Violence often leads to a way that's not good. If it's not controlled and it's not contained, it'll lead to abuse. It'll lead to murder. But we need to understand something, too, before we get too far in that direction. We need to understand, too, that violence is a tool as well. Violence is a tool as well. Sometimes the threat or presence of strength is necessary to prevent violence. Somebody breaks into your home and you sit down on the floor and start squalling, you're not likely to defend yourself. But if you if you step out with a baseball bat and say, take one more step and I'll knock your head all the way out in the yard, listen, that it's going to make a difference. The threat of violence sometimes will deter violence. I heard this statement here a while back. I'm going to share it with you tonight. It's pretty good. It says, gentleness without the potential for violence is nothing but weakness. But gentleness with the potential for violence is meekness. It's like, listen, I have the potential to go off and do whatever's necessary, but I'm going to keep that under control because I want to please my Lord and save him. You see what I'm saying? Violence is a tool, but it's not good if that rules our life, and that's the case of this violent man. Amen? Again, violence is never good and a prosperous thing. It's only there to be used as a as a measure against evil. Uh but again, and the violent, violence is a tool best left for the wise and the skillful because it leads to a way that's not good. Verse 30, he shutteth his eyes to devise forward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. I believe it's talking about the same fellow there in verse 29. I believe it's talking about that violent man. I don't think we change subjects here when it says he shutteth his eyes to devise forward things. I, I, when, I, when I thought about that, I started meditating on that, that phrase there. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward things. It made me think of 1 Peter 5, 8, which says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And again, he shutteth his eyes to devise forward things. He's seeking after perverse, wicked ways. It says he shutteth his eyes 
I think that's talking about he sit, he he closes his eyes and meditates like a godly man meditates on the word of God. He meditates on ways to 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 to, to deceive somebody, to to trick somebody, to hurt somebody. He shuts his eyes. I know in other versions it said winketh, but I don't I don't get the winketh part. I, it says shutteth. And he said he shutteth his eyes to the to devise forward things. If I close my eyes and think on it, I can get a clearer picture of things than when I sit there with my eyes open. And I think about that. The devil's seeking. He's always seeking whom he may devour. He's always seeking to cause problems. He's always seeking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I got to thinking about over in Job chapter 1 and 2 where it talks about uh, Satan appearing before before the Lord with the sons of God. And, 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 and where, it, where it says, it was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. I think that's an odd place in the Bible. It's a really odd statement, but fully understand it. But you know what? It's there, and I, and I believe what it says. And the Bible says, The Lord said unto Satan, From whence cometh thou? Where have you been? And Satan answered the Lord. He said, I, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now, what's he doing? He's been walking up and down. He's been speaking to him. He made his ass. That's what he's doing. Walking about as a roaring lion. That's where he's been. Up and down, to and fro. Looking, looking, looking. Trying to cause more mischief. And this fellow here we're talking about acts just like him. He shut his eyes, trying to find more ways to do to do more perverted things. And again, to devise forward things. Wicked men are great students. They'll do everything they can to figure out ways to think and to plan mischief and to be able to do it more freely. They search the mind of the devil for more ways to do it, and they're very inventive in ways to do harm. If you don't believe me, just look sometime. Look up, just look up prison shivs and see all the ways people have made ways to kill people in prison. If you want to see how people are wicked, can come up with wicked devices. I think about the people that call people on the phone every day and, and try to come up with new ways to trick them out of their bank account information and try to trick them into giving them money. I think about all those cons. It's always a new con. New cons invented every single day. New ways to beat honest people out of things, to devise forward things, Always, again, the devil working constantly in these people to try to, to work out his plan to hurt others. Moving his lips, the second half of this verse, moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. Now, let me just say this. I don't understand the culture that was going on when Solomon wrote this, and you don't either. So, and, and it's, moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. I, I thought, well, that means he's talking. He thinks about it, and then he speaks it. But then I got to—I looked up that word there, that, that, that the word in the Hebrew for moving his lips, just because I'm curious, not because I'm trying to correct King James, but just because I want to understand it a little more. And it said to purse his lips, to pinch them together. So I, I don't know what that means. I see girls do that when they take pictures, but I don't know what that means in, in, in Solomon's culture. But evidently it meant something. It, it, it meant it meant something. It was a signal, maybe. It was a signal for somebody, two guys working together. Maybe one gives a signal like that. Maybe he winks his eyes and does something like that, and somebody else takes advantage. I don't know. But all I know is he brings evil to pass. I don't know whether he's pinching his lips is for kissing, whistling, speaking, or some other some other gesture, but I just I just know that it, that it's an expression of contempt. And the violent man brings about evil with his expression. He don't care what bad effects come from his actions. He don't care who he hurts. He's just evil and twisted in his mind, and he's willing to do what he can to take advantage of somebody else. God tells us to be wary. Why? Because there are people like this out there. God wants us to be careful the people we deal with and how we deal with them because, again, again, there's, there's evil everywhere. So we need to be walking closely with him and, and, and staying in the word of God and studying in the wisdom of God so that we're able to see these things and not be taken advantage by them. They're warnings. Amen? Verse 31, we got three more. The Bible says, The hoary head is a crown of glory found in the way of righteousness. There's another one in words I don't understand. Yeah, I know. I can help you, though. Hoary head. I almost got one. 
but it's trying to turn loose on me. Amen? Hoary don't mean bald. It means gray-headed, silver-haired. Amen? Hoary hairs. It talks about hoary means it's like, it's like the frost. The Bible refers to the frost as hoary frost, uh, uh, snow, uh, white, silver. I mean, again, it's just talking about getting old. It's talking about getting older and your hair turning gray. And he said the hoary head is a, is a crown of glory. And again, talk about cultural things. I mean, in the time when this was written, this was certainly appropriate. This was certainly not an unusual statement to say this because in ancient cultures, in ancient cultures, they were sensible enough to honor and value the wisdom and the experience of old age. Now, in America, we don't. We just tell people in a nursing home and forget about them, which is wrong as wrong can be. We ought to honor our elders, and we ought to learn from them. There's a reason why this country can't change the oil and grow vegetables anymore. It's because we have gotten rid of everybody that knows how to do it. We're going to mess around. Ain't nobody going to know how to do anything because we get rid of everybody and and we drug them up and dope them up and send them off and forget about them. God help us, but it's the truth. I know I sound like a broke record up here just complaining, but I, there's a lot wrong in this world, amen? There's a, long, there's a lot that's messed up, and sin is the curse of all of it. Sin is the curse and sin is the cause. But, again, we don't honor our elderly like we should. They saw white hair of the elderly as a crown of glory. You've made it this far in life. God has carried you this far. You know, it, it's a crown of glory. But, and the hoary head, is, it's often considered a blessing to, to reach that age. Genesis fifteen fifteen, the Bible says, And thou shalt go up to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Amen. That's what I want. I want a good old age. I don't want a miserable old age. I want a good one. Amen. And, and he talks there about a good old age. In Genesis 25, 8, the Bible said about Abraham, said Abraham, then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man full of years and was gathered to his people. Again, a good old age. I, I like that idea. You know, you got your family around you. They all love you. And, 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 you know, and, and you, you just give up the ghost. Amen. That's the way I want to go. Amen. Just peaceful. Amen. In a good old age. But, you know, it's not always that way. It's not always that way. In Hosea 7, 9, the Bible says, Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. Sound like to me, he's kind of lost his mind at that point. So sometimes it don't, sometimes it don't work out that way. You know, there's a song I like, and it says, When the final line unfolds, it don't always rhyme. And it's true, you know, life, life sometimes don't work out the way you think it's going to. But it works out the way God intended for it to. It doesn't matter if it's if everything works out the way we want it. It's that if it's, it works out how God wants it or not. And, you know, and the hoary head, it's also in the Bible treated with respect. In Leviticus 19.32, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God, I am the Lord. So we're supposed to honor our elders, we're supposed to give them the honor that they are due. The Bible says, now get the last part of this, because that's the key to it. If it be found in the way of righteousness. That's the key. If it be found in the way of righteousness. That's helpful. That's that's a necessary follow-up statement to the first line. Amen? So, I mean, that, listen, yeah, honor them if it's found in the way of righteousness. Because it isn't age that brings the crown of glory to the person, but age in the way of righteousness and and with godly wisdom. So listen, I've met a lot of old fools in my life, and I'm sure y'all run across a few yourself. I've run across some that ain't got a lick of sense and just silly as they can be. They're worse than a little kid. And you know, when a when a, when a person when a person gets to that point without God, ooh, what a mess! What a mess! But the sad truth is age doesn't doesn't make all people better. And it certainly don't make all people godlier, that's for sure. As preacher Alan Ross, he said, there's something praiseworthy about old age that can remember a long walk with God through life and can anticipate unbroken fellowship with him in glory. There is something praiseworthy about that. To to have walked with God for years and years and say, Man, I can't I can't wait. 
to see him face to face. There's something, there's something good about that. And we ought to, we ought to honor people who, who, our elders who've served God and have lived with, lived with the Lord longer than we have. Verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. He that's slow to anger is better than the mighty. Somebody better than the mighty man who can defend a whole lot of others in the, com- in the field of combat. That's somebody who's slow to anger, the Bible says. The man or the woman who has control over their anger doesn't get the best of them. That ain't, ain't the kind of person, boy, I got a hot temper. I can't control it, you know. The person who, when it starts to boil, they turn the burner off. You know, that's the kind of person that, that it's important that we be. Um, control over your anger, that's a wise thing. Amen? It's not, it's not wise to be a loose screw. It's not wise to be a loose cannon. You know, and, and people, I, I, I'll be honest with you, people who are like that oftentimes brag on being like that. You know, I'm just, I just say what I want to say. Well, sometimes that gets you in trouble. I've learned that because I have that problem. I say, well, sometimes I just say what comes out, you know, and and, some, and you can't reel it back sometimes fast enough. You can't ever reel it back sometimes. So you got to be careful when you get upset that everything don't come flooding out of your mouth. Um, there've been there've been a lot of kings who conquered nations, but they were slaves to their own passions. I'm gonna give you an example: Alexander the Great. I read this about him. It said, Alexander the Great who conquered the world was a slave to his temper. And in a fit of rage, he slew Clytus, who was his best and most intimate of all of his friends, and one he loved beyond everybody else in the world. He got in a mad fit and killed him because he got angry, lost his temper with him. Dr. Charles Bridges said, a great conflict and a glorious victory are set out here. The heart is the field of battle evil and powerful passions are deadly foes. They must be met and triumphed over in God's strength. All those things, all the jealousy and the envy and the anger and all those things that come up in our flesh, we got to be vigilant and be like a soldier to knock those things down on the battlefield of our heart before they triumph and stand victorious in our lives and cause us, cause us all kinds of grief and, and heartache. And the Bible says, He that ruleth his spirit it, it, more than he that taketh a city. Now understand that, what he's saying. A person who has control over their spirit. In other words, their passions do not inflame and overtake them. They don't, they don't, again, their temper don't get so hot that they start screaming curse words and threatening violence. They, they can reel that thing in when it starts to boil. Again, they don't, they don't just, they don't lose it. They're, they're a person who never loses it. You know, they're steady all the time. I had a, I had a papal. I had two papals like this. Thank God for them. They taught me that you can control yourself. I saw my daddy lose his cool, and, and my daddy lose his cool. It was like an atomic bomb went off. And I, I got a little dose of that, too. And you know what? I've learned over the years, I'd a whole lot rather be like my papal than my daddy because my daddy caused himself lots of trouble being that way. But we're... When you rule your spirit, and, and you can't rule your spirit, listen to me, you, without submission to God, you have to come to God and say, God, I can't control myself. I lose my cool, Father. I, 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 I blow it sometimes, and I hurt people. Lord, I, I'm a mess emotionally. Admit it to God. If you've got a problem with your anger, be willing to go to God and just tell him the truth because he knows it anyway. Just go on to him and say, Lord, I, I can't control myself sometimes, and I, I lose my cool, and I, and I end up saying things and hurting people, and, and, and Lord, I've given it to you. But when you submit to God and when you give him your, your all, then, then what, became, what was, was utterly impossible has now become possible because with God, all things are possible. So don't tell me, I just can't do it. I just, I just, no, you're right. You can't. Brother, I, I, I try, but I, 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 I try my best. Well, quit trying. Let God do it. Get out of the way. I mean, I wouldn't let Savannah drive my car. She don't know how. 
She has an idea how it works, but she will cause a wreck if I put her behind the wheel. Okay? You have an idea how things work emotionally, but when you try to handle it, you cause a wreck. Same thing. Very similar. We don't, we're not equipped for that. We're not mature enough yet to handle it. We have to turn it over to God. But when we're under his wisdom and we're under his strength, praise God, we're able to do it. And to rule your own spirit is a greater accomplishment than to go in and conquer a whole city by yourself, God says. Somebody who, should, who, who wants to conquer cities needs to be first concerned with conquering yourself before they worry about a city. Preacher Matthew Poole, he, he thought of three reasons why a person who rules his spirit was better than somebody who takes a city, okay? Number one, he, he who conquers his own spirit, he conquers though he fights a stronger enemy. Yourself is a lot stronger than everybody else. He conquers by his own hands and not through other people. It ain't somebody else doing it. You have to do it yourself. And he conquers without the injury and ruin of others. I, I mean, listen, if you can get a hold of yourself, you won't hurt people, and, and, and hallelujah. Valentinian, the Roman emperor, on his deathbed, he said that among all the victories that he'd had, there was one, only one of them that comforted him. And they asked him what that was, and he said, I've overcome my worst enemy, my own naughty heart. Amen? That's the one I need to get a hold of. It's that guy in the mirror that keeps causing me problems. It ain't anybody else. It's that guy that I keep looking at when I get up out of bed in the morning. <clears throat> G. Campbell Morgan said this is a proverb that's constantly quoted and very little believed. If men only recognize that there's more valor in heroism and self-control than in fearless deeds, which others acclaim in song and story, how different our world would be. If we could just figure that out. Just get a hold of your own spirit. You can solve a lot of troubles in other people's lives just by having a steady, calm disposition about you. Verse 3, we're going to wrap it up with a bow on. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. The lot cast into the lap. Okay, what does that mean? Well, the lot, that's something similar to rolling dice. I think back to the, the Old Testament, the, the priests and the, uh, something called the Urim and the Thummim, and we don't really know what that was, but I think it's very similar to lots and casting lots. And, and you, to understand what that was when they had a decision, it was a heavy decision that they weren't sure about, that they, they would take these things, and, and they was like, it was similar to rolling dice, but it was helped them to make a decision when it was all on God and not on them. And so it was like, whatever this is, this will be God's answer. Now, kind of an odd way to do it, if you ask me, but that's the way they did it. It was to, to use some tool of chance to make a choice. And they did that to divide the land of Israel among the tribes. In Numbers twenty six fifty five, the Bible says, notwithstanding the land shall be divided by lot. That doesn't mean by this lot here and that lot there and that lot there. It means divided by lot. Um According to the names of the tribes of the fathers, they shall inherit. Joshua 14.2, by lot was their inheritance as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half tribe. And it was used to arrange workers for the temple. Uh, the disciples, they used lots to fill the vacancy left by Judas. Now, again, I don't think that was God's way of doing that because God chose the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul became eight. eight uh, Matthias, you never hear another thing about Matthias after he's chosen in the Bible. That's the end of him. You never hear anymore because God, I don't believe God chose him. I believe again. I believe that was Peter being a little bit impetuous there and a little bit in a hurry instead of waiting on the Lord and seeking God. Well, we got to fix this. We got to replace him. So let's do this. <clears throat> and so they they gave. The Bible says they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Uh, but anyway. Again, like I say, just to let you understand what they're doing there. But the Bible says, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Okay? That that may be done sometimes in the Bible to decide something, but the whole disposing, how it, that may be how you do it to choose it, but God's the one who does it. 
um, saying this. The idea that, that every single thing that happens in your life is a message from God, we shouldn't look at things that way. That's not the, I mean, everything, every little detail you like, every little thing is not God trying to tell me something. Okay? You can take something to the extreme. And I know some people who do. Everything they see is, oh, God's trying to show me something. God's trying to tell me this. He's got to, no, it's not always like that. Um, and, and, and this is not to give us the idea that, that you know, if we're going to, if we're going to ask God and find out whether we're not well to do this, we need to pull the Monopoly board down and get the dice out and, and try to see if we can figure out what God wants. That's not, that ain't how we do things. We don't, we're not living in a Ouija board Christianity here, okay? We don't, we don't do things like that, amen? But to cast the lot, let's understand it. To cast the lot is a way to commit the decision to God, Okay? We don't know. We say we got a choice to make here concerning our spiritual future. We don't know what we're going to do, said two Israelites. Well, well, the only thing that we can do here, since we don't know the best choice, we're just going to cast lots and see what God decides we should do. That we're left with. We got to figure it out somehow. That's a whole lot different than playing craps at the table. Okay, it ain't the same thing. So we can't take this and justify something else with it. This is this is this is deciding spiritual matters. But again, when they cast the lot, they commit that to God. They're saying, God, it's up to you what we do here. Now I can take this and give you another example. When Gideon was trying to find out if God wanted him to really go and to and, and to be the, the one who, who defended Israel and went down to face off with the Midianites to stand up for him and be a great, valiant warrior for him, what did he do? He said, God, I'm going to lay this fleece out here, and you make me wet on that fleece and dry on the ground. And then the next time, he said, Lord, don't be mad. I'm going to put it out there again, and you make it be wet on the ground and dry on the fleece. It ain't much different from casting lots. Again, God, show me what you want me to do. That's really what it comes down to. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, y'all know what it says. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. So, well, we're going to do it the way we see it. No, we do it the way God wants. And sometimes it's hard to, to discern. We have to wait on God. We have to sometimes lay a test out there and, and say, God, show me what you want me to do. And I believe that's exactly what this is referring to, is a, is a test to show what's what God wants to do. And sometimes we have to do that. It's not good to make quick decisions when it comes to spiritual matters. Amen. You don't ever want to make you don't ever want to make serious decisions when you're in a spiritual low place. Amen. You you, you want to be careful about making choices that are going to affect the rest of your life. Amen. The Bible said, "In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path." Let God have the direction. Let God have the wheel. And again, they they were just doing what they had to do to give God the wheel. And the use of the word "lot" here. It shows in this proverb. It's not about it's not about God's control of all random occurrences. It's about Him settling matters that are given to Him properly. Proverbs eighteen eighteen says, "The lot causeth contentions to cease, and parteth between the mighty." All right, let's stand together. Let's stand together. Praise the Lord. I enjoy I enjoy these studies in Proverbs. I know it ain't like regular preaching because it's little short blurbs and things, but man, there's some good stuff in it. And 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 I don't need all of it right now, but I'll need all of it sooner or later. So it's good to put it in the filing cabinet of my heart. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit knows where everything is. Amen. All right. Anything from anybody before we go to the house tonight? Let's just pray for God to work in our lives. Let's pray for God. Listen. We say, God, work in our church, but that's our lives. That's us because we are our church. Stir in my life. That's what we need to pray. God, stir in my life. God, use me to impact somebody else. God, please, make me soul conscious. And when I say soul conscious, I just mean everybody you look at is either going to go to hell forever or they're going to go to heaven forever, every single one of them. And 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 I, and we were we were talking on the way over here. And I'm trying to remember what the conversation was about. Oh, we were talking about doctors. We were talking about how slow the medical community works. 
and how there doesn't seem to be any hurry. We were talking about we were talking about you know Dan's situation with his blood thinners and all that, and and, and you know how they don't they don't seem like they want to move fast enough in nobody's case, in Miss Nail's case, or in Scott's case. Like the medical community works at a snail's pace, and 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 but but again, we were talking about it. It's just like you know. They don't see everybody as like their mama or their sister or their uncle or their grandma. Is there just that's just another name? It's another case I got to deal with. And I said I wondered to myself. I can't imagine being a doctor and one of my patients dying because I took too long. I can't imagine the guilt I would feel. And as soon as I said that, God smote my heart, and He said, "Son, your business is so much more important than their business. And if one dies on you, the implications are a whole lot deeper. And you know what? It ain't just me." Because we're all we're all responsible for the souls that are in our lives to warn them about Christ, uh, what Christ has done and the consequences of rejecting Him. So let's make it, let's make it our our duty to be soul conscious and to be witnesses before it's too late and they slip out into eternity and there's no more time to warn them ever again. And then it's going to be on us. And someday we'll see them again. I can assure you. You may think when they die, well, that's it. I missed that. That's too late. I missed that opportunity. You're going to see them again, and it'll be at that great white throne judgment, and we'll be on one side and they'll be on the other. And there's a verse over in Matthew where it talks about the wicked, uh, the, the angels coming forth and severing the wicked from among the just. And that word sever scares me to death because all I can think of is them running to me and grabbing me and saying, why didn't you tell me? And the angels ripping them loose from me, pitching them into that lake of fire. I don't want to think like that. Amen? Let's be soul conscious. Let's be witnesses. Let's tell people. Let's make a difference. Listen, let's, as, as, as one preacher said, let's preach as, dying, as a dying man to dying men because that's what we are. Amen? Before it's too late. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Richard, dismiss us. Father, we uh, thank you for this time.